Perfect. So welcome to Rant with Recruit Group. Um, we're here always where we're willing to tell the truth where no one else will about corporate hiring uh, and everything behind the scenes. Uh, I'm your host, Tafari Alexander. Uh, and with me, as always, is my co-host and, and friend, uh, Brandon Barry. Uh, Brandon, please, please, please make sure we're telling the truth and nothing but the truth uh, throughout this entire thing with our friend Aaron. Please hold us I'm going to do it. Awesome. If I hear y'all lying, I'm calling you out. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, so let's so let's get moving. So, right. So this series will focus on a few talent trends uh, and we'll have a couple of different subject matter experts over the next couple of weeks. Uh, this week, we're talking with with my colleague, Erin. I'm not even going to massacre her last name. I won't do her that way. Um, but she is an authenticity I don't even want to use the words. It, it means everything to me. Uh, but we're going to talk about how it affects culture, leadership, and retention. And, you know, my rant about this, Aaron, is the I, I find that the people who talk about authenticity, many of them are using it as a crutch to be rude, right? It's usually that bombastic male figure in the office who's like, I'm being my authentic self when you're just like, no excuse my language, you're being an asshole. Or you're just calling out people in front of them, in front of their coworkers or belittling uh, subordinates. But he's thinking he's being authentic self. So I, I, that's the one issue I have around quote unquote being authentic, right? Because I looked up the few definitions before we, we booked this and it was, you know, real genuine, relatable based on facts, one's true nature, want true to oneself. There's so many definitions of it. Yet to me, to our conversations, to my conversations with Brandon, it's so undefinable, right? Mm -hmm. So who is, this to, who is it to say that I'm being authentic, you're being authentic, or our culture is authentic, or the process is authentic even. And that's where, again, I might have a little issue with that. Even though I agree, the only way to have true process and true culture is to be authentic. So that undefinability of it is kind of one of the things I want to get in with you. Also, the, the other piece is, are we truly ready for everyone to be authentic? That is the other thing. Because talking like with uh, Lee Jones, one of that was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, we thought we talked about a few things. And one of the things we talked about was, you know, is corporate America ready for people of color to be authentic? Are we ready for women in corporate America to be authentic? Because a lot of people will get their feelings hurt. A lot of corporations would change a lot of their beings. We would engage with our consumers differently. So is corporate America really ready for authentic? Or are we just ready for maybe a different version of the norm and mm. we can label that as authentic. So those mm. are the kind of couple of points that might push me a little bit for what we talk about that I need to be educated on. But to me, that's what makes this, this conversation so exciting. Yeah. So, so I guess, welcome, Aaron. Thank you for joining. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Give yeah. us my, I guess first thing is give us a little bit about you. So everybody understands you, please, Aaron. Yeah. So um, first of all, thanks for teeing up. You like threw me some softballs because 
although I'm not, uh, you know, an academic type that spends hours and hours on the definition of things, I think it's really important. So I can't wait to dive into that. Um, but yeah, my name is Erin Hatzacostas. Uh, not the easiest name to say. I'm married into it. Um, <laughs> and I spent uh, 22 years of my sort of my first half career working in the healthcare space, uh, working for a health plan, uh, doing a number of roles. And then the last three years there, I uh, led one of the subsidiary companies of that health plan. So I ran a healthcare financial plan um, called Payflex. So we were about about a thousand billion dollars, uh, mostly savings accounts, accounts, things like that, and um, had a in, incredible run and got done with sort of turning that company around and just uh, had this feeling like maybe there was something else I was meant to do. And, you know, I was toying around with like, what's next? And it felt like I needed a new challenge. I'm very much driven on the unknown and uh, getting curious and, and learning. And I was on a flight. I was in a business trip and I was standing next to this nice woman. It was a Southwest flight. So we were kind of in the cattle call line together and struck, struck up a conversation and ended up sitting next to each other. And she had left, uh, you know, a larger company way back in her career, you know, 15, 20 years earlier and ran her own small business. And at the time, that was one of the things I was exploring. Like, am I meant to go start my own company? Or, I don't know what it is. And so I was just so curious and she was so happy. And I asked her a million questions and, and she, she paused and I said, you know, I'm sorry, I'm asking you so many questions. I'm just so curious because I'm thinking about what's next for me. And I said, but it's really silly because my equity, my reputation could not be higher. Like this would be a terrible time for me to exit the corporate world. Like I just turned around this company. I've, I've got other offers and opportunities. And she just looked at me so matter of factly, succinctly quickly and just said, who says this is the top? And that one single statement changed my whole life. Um, it really made me realize that you're right. Like just because we're, we're in corporate America and we're chasing jobs and the titles that, that who says that's the only mountaintop there is. And long story short, I, w I left, I didn't know what I was going to do. I actually retired at the age of 44. I think I was, uh, I had enough years to technically retire. And I looked at a lot of different opportunities. Um, and one of those buckets was career and leadership development, which is kind of where I've landed. And I ignored it because I thought, well, that's too normal, right? There's there's a bazillion executive there's hundreds of leadership companies, and I, normal is my kryptonite. Like I cannot do what everybody else is doing. Um, but when I left, everybody kept saying, we're gonna miss your authentic leadership, we're gonna miss your authentic leadership. And as I sort of gave myself the space and I was exploring some things and, and doing some other things, I realized that the question, which I ask a lot of people is what breaks your heart? You know, it really broke my heart to be in a corporate world that was so fake, that there were so many people frustrated, that we still have such a diversity issue, that engagement is so horrible. And I wanted to do something about it. And I, I just finally had this epiphany just because there's a million companies out there doesn't mean you can't do it your own way. And that's actually what I preach to, to people. That's one of my main things, you know, do things your own way. And so finally found my way to, to starting Be Authentic Inc. And I'm on a, I'm on a freaking mission to change the corporate workplace and make it more authentic and diverse and balanced uh, and just a better place. So 
that's that's how I got here. Awesome. I love that. A mission to change the corporate workplace. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Okay. So I as I, I was saying in, in the intro, uh an authenticity addict. I was gonna use monster guru, but <laughs> addict is your is your words. I didn't want to risk more alliterative. It's more alliterative. <laughs> So what what is what does that mean? Authenticity addict. Yeah, I mean, I just have literally gotten obsessed with it, um, with the concept. And and you know, for me, it's just been years and years of experimentation. And you know, back when I was leading my company, there was a point in time where I authenticity wasn't was no longer a passive thing for me. I had, and maybe hadn't named it yet, but I had realized that doing things differently, that, um, you know, being unique, being a little bit different, telling stories, um, doing things that I consider authenticity, and I'll talk about my definition, were getting me somewhere. They were getting me great results. They were getting me everything from negotiations I was handling authentically, and I was coming out, you know, doing well. Uh, I would go into business reviews and sort of, you know, be authentic the results and I kept turning up the dial right I kept getting more conscious about practicing being purposely strategic so what does that look like it was things like okay I'm going to purposely be a little bit humble in a place here um as part of my story or I'm going to tell a story uh to open this up I'm going to avail something that's uh you know that's not going right um and so because I kept getting results, like it's easy, right? To get addicted to things that give you good results. That's working. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and and now I see it in the different ways that I work with CEOs and I work with you know individuals. And it's literally this this formula, if you will, that works for everything. And it's a win-win, right? Because it not only gets you the results, but it allows you to do these things without compromising, you know, compromising your family or your health or who you are. And so it's just become something that I'm just completely obsessed with. And, you know, to your point about the the best thing about authenticity is, yes, it's hard to define inherently, right? It's almost an oxymoron to define, you know, authenticity because it's so personal, but you know it when you see it not present, right? It's so easy Mm. to spot somebody that's authentic, right? those characteristics. And in fact, I wrote an article on Business Insider about it. But what it comes down to is I've done is put my own definition to it and said, maybe that's not everybody's definition. But if you want to follow me, if you want to have the the results that I had, you know, here's how I define it. And so I started first with actually, you were kind of getting there, but there's a Greek word called authentikos. And of course, every Mm -hmm. word goes back to Greek, right? And, (laughs) And authentikos means it means genuine, it means to be original, and it means to be authoritative. So to me, it's sort of this juxtaposition between being yourself and being a total badass. And <laughs> I like that. so I took, first of all, I found that definition, I thought, okay, that gives me permission because all along, I felt like the formula I've had has been more than just being myself, that I think that's richer. And so 
from there, with that permission, that yes, it is a more nuanced word, that it, it really can be. I have actually spent the last year just really trying to figure out what is it that that always got me so authentic? What is it that really defined authenticity, what I call authenticity? And I have now come before, I call it six principles of strategic authenticity. And there's an acronym, it's called HUMANS. And it stands for humble, unexpected, model, which means, you know, sort of show up and shut up. You know, it means demonstrate. Mm -hmm. Um, A is adapt. You really have to plug into other people's authenticity, which we can talk about. That's so important. Um, N is narrate. So the power of storytelling to me is a huge component uh, of, of connecting authentically. And then S stands for spark or really to inspire that authenticity in other people. And so that's that's the definition that I use, that I coach on, that I'm writing a book on, that I'm doing a TED Talk on, that I believe was at least my formula for success. And I think it's always going to be a word that's up for interpretation. But, it, you know, in my quest, in my voyage, um, I believe that that's really the guiding principles that that will help people have that beautiful sort of juxtaposition between the two things. Awesome. Tell me the you again. I want to write that down. I missed the you. Tell me that again, please. Yeah, you you is you is unexpected and probably unexpected. So, you know, unexpected it creates such curiosity. So that's you know that could be um, being original, right? Um, here's an example. I'm prepping for my TED talk. Uh, years ago, it probably was pretty unexpected for somebody just to walk into a talk and start with a story, right? But now that's sort of expected, right? When you watch a, talk, a TED Talk or maybe even a keynote, you sort of expect right. it. And so as I do mine, I'm building it a little bit different. You know, I'm telling a story within a story. Like you always want to keep people because if you do unexpected, there's a there's a great um, book on sort of the science behind it. But the more kind of unexpected it can be, the more people sort of switch on this curious, they're, they're more attentive what's next um mm-hmm. and i think it's they really start listening yeah yeah you can mm-hmm. tell I'm, I'm big on that telling a story or like you said being vulnerable in a place they wouldn't expect you and all of a sudden you can it's like you can feel them sit up in their chair and start listening to what you're saying now that's right right so I fun love, i love that i love that so one of the biggest things that we talk about in our firm and one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast is we want to talk to both sides of the audience. We found that recruiters mm-hmm. were either talking to only candidates, you know, here's how to fix your resume, here's how to fix your blah, 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 or clients. Here's how you recruit the perfect candidate, and here's how you should run your process. We wanted to talk to the whole process in every interview that we do, every, you know, PSA that we make online, blah, blah, blah. And one of the things that people always want to know about is, the executive level, how they make their decisions, you know, how do they do what they do? So a question for the bigger audience is kind of what's keeping executives from being their authentic selves? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I think the succinct answer is because they don't have enough else around them. You know, we as humans we tend to emulate what we think will get you there, right? Like, so if somebody's figured out how to solve a Rubik's cube, we're probably going to go 
watch them solve that and we're going to follow them, right? If somebody's figured out a right. formula for riding a bike, like we're our creatures of trying to get to the most expedient solution. And so we naturally follow others before us. And I think in the executive world, I think there's two factors. One, um, I think there's a lot of fear that sits at the executive level. It's a very binary world up there. You're either <laughs> doing well, making a shitload of money, or you're on the brink of being, you know, fired. And some are pretty good at making money when they get fired too, but that's a whole nother story. Oh yeah, we um, can record a whole podcast so, on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think one, there's sort of there is a heightened sense of fear, although I'm sure people listening to this podcast all the way down in their career could say, uh, yeah, well, we all kind of have that. Um, but I think it really comes down to they haven't had somebody model it before them. And the thing that if I could just like put a earpiece into your listener's ear and just tell them is this, you know, inspiration is a circular reference. Too often we feel like in the corporate world, especially where you have this hierarchy that you know, the people at the top sort of inspire the people down below and so on and so forth. And, you know, when I was running my own company, yes, I had executives above me, but I also was a CEO of, you know, a pretty. It was the people under me that inspired me way more than those above me. And so I tell you this because I say, don't freaking wait for the executives above you to give you that permission to be authentic. Don't wait for them to figure out the formula and hand it down because A, you can inspire them. I know an old boss of mine I've heard is, is you know, has really sort of changed a lot. I'm not saying it's all from me, but I do think that I was able to show, you know, once they start to see and you fight through that initial inertia, right? Where they think you're a little bit weird because you're doing things a little bit different or whatever. <laughs> But as soon as, and, and that's what happened to me, you know, the first couple months, my boss was sort of like, uh, okay, you know, I think she was a little skeptical. But as soon as I started to turn in some results, you know, big contract negotiation, uh, big amount of savings, you know, some good turns with the employees, as soon as the success comes, that curiosity is going to wake up and they're going to be like, hmm, I wonder, I wonder what they're doing that's different and they're going to start doing it. And so... You know, I think we just need more models out there. We need more people that can inspire, more people that have paved the path and have the freaking guts to do it differently. Prove out they get the results, and then you're start you're going to start to see the flywheel, you know, going quite quickly. So, which is going to come, the chicken or the egg? Uh, probably both. At the same time. <laughs> I mean, here's what I will tell you. I, I tell this to people. You know, people ask about my business. Um, you know, do you work with companies and go in and do leadership stuff or do you, you know, work? What, what do you do? And first of all, I'm, I'm still only a year and a half in. So I freaking do anything that somebody will pay me to do. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, in general, like if you said, which would you pick? I pick to work with the individuals, to coach the individuals. It, you know, the way I put it is, you know, if if Hitler was still around or we had, let's say, a president that was starting to run a, a dictatorship or whatever, uh, you know, there, there's two ways to solve the problem. One, you can go talk to that dictator and his people and try to convince them that they're wrong, or you can build an army to defeat them. And I'm more in the business of building the army to defeat them. And I think the groundswell um, like will start to meet at the top too. 
Um, but I'm, you know, and this is going to be a long haul. And so I'd rather mm-hmm. enable the people that are here, they start to get in power and take over that, like, at some point, all the a-holes look around and the stuffy, inauthentic, egotistical narcissists just have to surrender. They have no choice. They have, yeah, they won't have any more allies. Okay, interesting. I like yep. that. Okay. So what's what's the value of it, right? I mean, that you're going to get the clients that say, well, all right, that's all good and well, but what's the value of being authentic, right? You know, my thing is healthcare uh, and tech. That's how we came together. So what's the value for a, a healthcare company mm-hmm. for their executives to be authentic or their culture to be authentic? What's the value? So I'll give you the academic and then I'll get you, give you sort of just what happened with me. Like, so, mm-hmm. you know, there aren't a lot of direct studies, quite frankly, on authenticity and sort of its linkage to right to the bottom line. But there are three studies that I want to cover, I think are really highly correlated. Um, the first is there's actually a TED talk by Frances Frey. She's a Harvard professor in which, you know, she sort of proves out that there are three pillars to trust, like a ti- triangle to trust. And one of those is authenticity, which is it's very intuitive, right? Like it's easier to trust somebody that you believe is is not, you know, hosing you. So first of all, authenticity is a key component to trust. Second is um, also Harvard. Harvard's, Harvard uh, Business Review did, you know, in true Harvard fashion, like a ten year study, neuroscience of <laughs> science, uh, neuroscience of trust, crazy ass uh, study in which they were able to prove out that organizations with higher trust had 76% higher employee engagement, right? So basically their people gave a shit more, right? And then Gallup, uh, you probably watch their poll, right? Their employee engagement poll that they do. Um, and, and they have linked higher employee engagement, companies with higher employee engagement. To 20, I think one of their studies said that companies are 21% more profitable. So I think there's a really strong link. Authenticity leads to trust. Trust leads to engagement. Engagement clearly gets results. You know, here, talk like a human, like, here's how it worked for me. Um, First of all, I gained more trust with my business partners, whether that was a negotiation I was in or, quite frankly, my leadership. Because I was that person that would come in the room and instead of having all the green, you know, Harvey balls, you know, I would, I would be totally honest, like, here's, you know, we're doing well here, and we're sucking on sales or whatever. So, so first, I gained trust. Um, and that started to give, give results, right, on both sides of the, of the coin, you know, we had better negotiations, I was straight up with customers. And then the next thing that falls, and this is the most important, really related to what you guys do. I've got the best employees, like, I, created this reputation of being this leader that was approachable, that was genuine, that cared about uh, people's and their families because I was a mother with children, like wasn't a tyrant. And then it became really easy. I I took that momentum that I had kind of externally and from a business perspective. And then I would almost laugh sometimes, you know, my poor colleagues, don't they realize I'm like stealing all the good talent? They're they're coming to me. They're, you know, going to their friends. and, And so, you know, Really, it, it comes down to that, which is everything you do. People want to work with great people, and we all know that in the end, all things equal, you're going to shop for the best, you know, the best leader, the best manager. 
And then once you get the best people, I mean, I got to tell you, we started turning around the company. I sweated it out for a couple of years. The last year, I, w- I was like, okay, you guys let me know if you need me. Um, you know, it started to propel itself. The, the leaders in the organization were so good. The teams were so good that I really got to be that leader that everybody wants to be. The one that is just pulling the flywheel, keeping people inspired, making the decisions where I need to. And everything else just really ran for itself. That's awesome. I like that. And that's real value. Did you? That's real value. It's a lot of that. In that in that transition, did you have anybody or run into the obstacle of someone being like, "Oh my God, I I don't like her authentic self." Um, not to my face. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm. Like, I truly believe you're not making waves if you don't have some haters, whether that's in the corporate world, that's in the entrepreneurial (laughs) world, the personal brand. Um, But again, my my definition, again, of authenticity isn't, I always tell people, authenticity does not equal transparency. I did not walk into Mm -hmm. town halls Mm -hmm. and say, you know, oh, last Mm -hmm. night, you know, I was worried about our system class because I, I knew we didn't invest enough in this piece of it and you know it like it doesn't equal transparency authenticity yeah. really is more about you know exploiting who you are in the places where people least expect it but also the adaptation is huge and that might sound like a cop out mm-hmm. but at, adapt is a key piece of it and the the way I talk about it is like Brandon, if you were to fly over to Paris tomorrow, this is a tour. Well, you have nice hair, though. Maybe this is a good for you. But, you know, my example is I'll say a razor. Usually I talk about about a hair dryer or a curling iron. But if you're flying to Paris and you you wake up in the morning, you have a big meeting and you want to look great, like, and you go to plug in your, you know, your razor, your electric razor, like, it's not going to work, right? And that's the same thing with authenticity. Sometimes you have to realize when you need an adapter, when you need to have that plug that, mm. you know, takes it from you know, U.S. power source to European power source, that adaptation and that connection. I mean, to me, at the end of the day, holy grail is finding true connections with people. And, you know, so sometimes that means that, you know, your plug looks a little different with Tafari than it looks like when, uh, you know, your colleague Susan or other people. And so I think that's a really important component as well. And that's what helps you not be hated quite so much. I, I mean, I wasn't, I never felt like I wasn't being true to myself, but I always, I think it's important that you're always looking to adapt. You're always looking to connect with people. And that is about understanding what's in their head, what's important to them, and talking to them in a way that will make sure your two plugs, you know. That's it. I think that's I think that's the key piece because I don't think most people care what those other people think or feel or think. I so saw that that makes perfect sense to me. Yep. Yeah. I like that. So what happens when you're a candidate interviewing for a job and they ask you one of these kind of weird, open-ended kind of questions. I mean, you said authenticity doesn't equal necessarily transparency, but how authentic can you be early on in the interview process, in your first week on the job, whatever the case might be? Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on that. 
right? Especially like in an interview process or something like that. Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, pretty damn authentic. Like I can't, you know, if a dial, you know, I'd say eight out of 10. And again, um, the, the plug is important, right? So I don't suggest that you're, you're meeting with a company and, you know, their reputation has always been like something that you didn't like. I mean, do you want to expose that in the meeting? That's not, that's transparency. That's not authenticity. You know, again, authenticity mm. are things like when you're in an interview, tell a story. Like you'll, you'll rarely get me. I mean, you, you asked me at the beginning, you know, so what have you done? I'm always going to tell you a story. You know, I tell many stories about, you know, who I am. I typically uh, make complete fun of how I was the total actuarial failure. Um, you know, it, it, and so it's, it's about carefully like exposing those things. And the, and the great thing about humility is like the quickest freaking connection to people and, and humility is then a springboard. So the way I always use humility and the way I sort of coach it is it, it's almost like singers. You know how the singers, good singers, they don't start with the big bravado, right? They start low, they sort of climb and build. Humility helps you do that too, right? So you start with something that's sort of like, you know, unexpected, making fun of yourself a little bit, exposing something that they wouldn't expect. And then when I can tell people, yeah, and then I was a CEO of a company and I took it from, you know, I tripled the earnings in three years. Like I don't look like a pompous person because I've also balanced that. So it also allows me to sort of have this bravado. It allows me to be also, you know, honest about what I do well. And so as your candidates are interviewing, there is something there's something beautiful about using the power of story and narration. There's something powerful about, again, strategically bringing in those things that are humble, maybe make people laugh a little bit, because that's those things are the things that click for people and start to connect them. So, uh, you know, if you saw me in an interview now, I'm I always say I'm running the authenticity marathon. Usually the way I coach and the way I write in the book, it's like, let's start with the 5K. Right. Let's start with the little things. But um you know, if you found me in an interview, which I hopefully I will never be in one again, um, other than podcast, <laughs> other than podcast interviews, of course, but not just <laughs> you'd see you'd see me at a pretty eight or nine. But it would be it would be a strategic it would be strategically played. Um, and I say that and some people might be like, well, that's not authenticity. And I disagree. I think that if you use the power of story and humility and modeling and narration those things are, are really what um, we typically look at and say, that's an authentic person. Mm -hmm. I think Brennan and I are connecting to the, that piece that authenticity isn't transparency, right? Cause you know, to use your example of you're in an interview with a company that might've had a bad reputation, you might say, well, can you tell me about, you know, I, I disagree with how you guys do so-and-so you're probably not getting that job, <laughs> even though you think that's authentic, bringing it up. In, in kind of a, even a nice way, that's not necessarily the best, best way to be authentic. You might want to talk about your own integrity and how you've been able to help companies change bad reputations in the marketplace and how to you, that would be a really good project to take on in the job, but not necessarily bringing theirs up early yeah. and often yeah. in the interview. Yeah. I think Brandon I think and people, I are really yeah. connecting that. I think people also try to throw vulnerability in there and get very confused between vulnerability and those other two words, right? Right. I think that's a whole other phase of that. Yeah, no, because I yep. see kind of yeah, exciting I mean, I so much more. Yeah, I mean, I lean so much more on, you know, that originality, that genuineness.
Mm -hmm. Just looking at, you start first with like, what is the crap that is everybody's doing that is, um, you know, maybe robotic and and one could call that inauthentic. I mean, a classic, because I have your audience. My rant would be your resume, your LinkedIn profile. Like, I I hope you guys don't do this, but we have got to stop telling people, like, here are the words to use to get through the system. I call it the business buzzword bingo. Like, I can't tell you how many resumes I've puked on that say the same execution and, and uh, you know, cross-functional and, you know, like, no, like, that's not, you know, that maybe was original 20 years ago, but tell a story. Tell how you're going to help these companies. Tell what's unique about what's your superpower. So I think, you know, people can just really start to, I always have, if you can start with a few things, like if you go to my LinkedIn profile, um, I think we talked about this, Tafari. I don't know if you saw, but all of my experiences are, and some of them are kind of funny. I mean, even I'm a board member and I story. I don't say any BS about cross-functional, you know, leader, you know, flawless because that starts right. to become white noise because everybody else is doing it. And so where it's places right. where you can be more human, that you can talk with people in that way. Awesome. I like that a lot. What's, and I love this, this, this person that like you, that you said you became right in that 44 age and beyond and kind of learning this thing in a marathon race of knowledge for yourself. But let me ask you this. What's the advice that you tell your 27 year old Aaron based on this kind of world that you've Mm -hmm. now created and and learned from? Yeah. Shut up and listen more. Ask more questions. Ask more thoughtful questions. Don't ask questions to sound smart. Ask questions to bring out the best thoughts in other people. Ask questions that are truly curious, that are truly asking and desiring a response. Um, you know, I I think so many 20-something-year-olds, we get, you know, we're in that uh, treadmill of you know, work hard, you know, sound smart, right? You've got to sort of come to the company. And I I think that nobody sits you down and says, hey, Aaron, at the time the transition from being especially an individual contributor to a manager, the whole entire game is going to change. And some of the leadership lessons I learned in my early 40s when I started to bring in a leadership group that worked with us at, at Payflex were like, God, why didn't I know that before? And one of those really was about the power of questions. And I think just a little PSA, I think in the time that we're in, it becomes even more important, even for your interactions. Like I was talking to somebody the other day about mental health and just obviously how that is becoming more and more of an issue with everything that we're going through. This crazy, crazy. And once you start to learn how to listen, an example is, you know, when I call up some of my clients, especially, you know, some that are under a lot of stress, you know, I don't say, how are you? I say, on a scale of one to 10, how are you feeling today, right? Just questions like that. Um, you, turning a question like the classic at the end of a meeting. Does anybody have any other questions? Well, like, you know, what a hole is going to say something? Okay, I'm starving. I got to go to another meeting. But just asking. 
anything else? <laughs> like two words. And and then just sitting there and being like, no, anything else? Like I want to make sure before we leave this that we don't have something important. We didn't miss something that might go go broken in this technology, you know, deploy that we have, or we don't miss sort of an idea about how to keep a customer. So you know, that, that's my answer. I, I think I would have listened more and I really would have uh, studied more the power of questions. Awesome. Do you, off topic question, but along those lines of the 27 year old self, does authenticity change at an age level? Does it change for men and women? Does it change per the person? Yes. Yes, it's called growth. You, you know, mm. uh, there's a great book. Uh, a mind, his, 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 he wrote a book that just came out uh, called "Personality Is Permanent," and I actually uh, cite that in the book. And it was a real game changer for me. Um, it's obvious, but you know, he 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 spends a little bit of time on the personality tests and how those can really stick people into certain right. categories. And instead, you know, if we all reflect back you know, there are threads of us that are the same and there are threads of us that are totally different. And so the answer is yes. If the word is growth. Um, your, your authentic self should continue to grow and evolve and that's okay. And in fact, I would argue that's important because if not, you're not growing and you want to grow. Has being authentic backfired on you? I can't think of a time it has. I can't think of a time that it has. Um, I should probably have one. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, I see it. It makes me so much more fun. And when I hear backfire, I think totally wrong. I mean, sure, are there times? approach something like I didn't get the the warm and fuzzies in one audience than I did in other you know maybe working you know meeting with a, one company they're a little more but I also it's just a constant experiment um when I'm trying to connect with people and you know purposely always sort of have that authenticity at the forefront because I'm just curious and I'm constantly calibrating I, I don't like I can't think of a time where I'm like fell on my face which is really annoying. If I'm your listeners, I'd be like, oh God, I can't listen to it anymore because I'm not perfect. Like, I am, I've made ass of myself. Totally messed up in presentations, like beyond perfect, but because that's actually part of the formula, it's almost like this beautiful circle. Anyway. Mm. I don't know. I like that. I'll probably like I'll that. probably wake up at four in the morning and like send you an email and be like, oh, this is when I fell on my face. <laughs> okay. Well, 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 we can do that. I, I just got approved for uh, for LinkedIn Live, so maybe we can do a live a live quick piece one day. That would be fun. <laughs> that would be fun. Um. All right. So, Aaron, this has been great. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know we're it's getting late into the evening uh, on a Monday, and my daughter's already knocked on the door and said it's dinner time. Um, so tell us, tell our listeners how we can find you all your stuff so we can kind of digest everything that's you. 
I put together um, three free uh, so you go to be authentic Inc. It's just the letter B. Uh, so be authentic forward slash forward slash rant R A N T. You'll see, I have, um, an unstuck yourself, a free video course. I have, uh, 10 simple steps to a rich career. Um, I think I put on there my top 10 podcast guides. So that's, that's the first place they can go and get some free that's career awesome. boosts. Um, so our podcast is called uh, Because with Aaron and Nicole. Then space C-A-U-S-E. And that's that's a really fun place. That's where my co-host and I, you'll see true authenticity. We we interview people, but we also um, spend a lot of time, uh, her and I catching up. She is in the, the corporate world. I coach her a lot. She's probably one of the funniest, smartest human beings on the face of this earth. Um, so that's pretty fun. Again. It's a great place. I know your audience is probably on LinkedIn. You can connect with me there. Um, and then if you want the offbeat stuff, you know, I'm on uh, Aaron, Aaron Hatsakostas on Instagram as well. It's a good place to check me out. So, okay. I should check that out. I would, I would have made some fun references there. <laughs> awesome. 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 Well, Aaron, <laughs> thank you so much uh, for your time. Uh, like I said to you in my, in my video, shout out to you on LinkedIn. I appreciate your knowledge. I'm not an official client of yours, but I think you've taught me so much in our handful of conversations about being authentic and my true self. And uh, I'm a big believer in the storytelling and being and bringing a a human. I love that humans aspect uh, to everything. So I hope my listeners get that at the executive level to the candidates on job interviews or just going through the their their element of their job, whether they're an hourly worker, a manager, an executive, a salesperson, bringing your true authentic self can be nothing but value uh, no matter where you are and be proactive in that authenticity, uh, I think is the big piece. I love it. I love everything you're doing, Tafari and, and Brandon. Um, so thanks for having me on. Keep, keep up the great work. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome, Aaron. Thank you so much for your time. I'll update you when everything goes live. Uh, with all the recordings and everything, so you can you know highlight it on on your pages as well. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye, Aaron.